welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show as we record again on another unsurprisingly Ohio snowy day. Except that we just haven't had a lot this year. You know, I was thinking about that this morning as I was driving in snow, thinking to myself, you know, spring's not that far away since we didn't get snow until January and... You know, April will be here before we know it. Well, that's the thing that, you know, we, we were talking about this the other day in the office, that really winter starts to get kind of rough and kind of nasty in Ohio right around this time of year. But when you look at it, you're looking at, what, maybe six to eight weeks, and then spring truly starts to hit, and springs are great here. So really— Six weeks isn't all that bad. Well, spring is great here when we have a spring. I mean, we haven't had a really good one in a while. We've had a lot of rainy springs lately. Yeah. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, we're not native Clevelanders, which means that we are not well adept or schooled in the ability to complain about the weather no matter the circumstance. Yes, but we lived in a lot of other places that have weather that is just as screwy as Cleveland, just in their own special ways, California. <laughs> I, I realize that, but I have never lived in a place where it is a fanatical sport much like following the Browns, to complain about the weather no matter what we have. There is that. But that's a, that's a defense mechanism. Because in northern Ohio, folks believe that if they complain about the weather loudly enough, angrily enough, they will convince other people not to move to northern Ohio. Oh, you think this is a Greenland versus Iceland thing? Uh-huh. Interesting theory. Instead, the thought is that they will all move to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that there is some ability to drive people to Michigan over northern Ohio. But I thought it came from that same fanatical place, um, that shouting at the clouds thing that we also experience when they— When Bernie Eccleston talks? Well, no. We're not at that story yet. No, when <laughs> Clevelanders speak of their beloved Browns who can't find well, the stadium most weeks? Th that's just that they're um, delusional. They're, that's part of just the, the citywide delusion. So they're delusional about their sports teams and the weather? Yes. Okay. Anyway, so should we, should we move on to the news we have news. We have the news. Are you ready? The news. You ready? Yes. Okay. Hey, great news. What? It has been announced that David Cothard will definitely be joining Channel 4's Formula One team. Oh, good. I couldn't stand Formula One if it didn't have two tight pants Cothard in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that, my friends, is where the podcast goes off the rails. Right there. <laughs> Mark the time. Right there. I've already had Michael shake his head at me. That, that was pretty quick. Um, now, what we know, the, the full team is actually not supposed to be announced. And that's why it's a little surprising that this has come out. The full team is not supposed to be announced until February. However, Channel 4 in announcing that Cothard would be joining their team – also announced that it, 
the coverage would be produced by Whisper Films, which to 99.9% of the folks means nothing. However, Whisper Films was founded by, in 2010 by David Cothard and also ex-BBC Sport F1 producer Sunil Patel and ex-BBC Sport F1 presenter Jay Humphrey. And that would make you dance for joy because you liked you some Jay Comfrey. I I thought he was very good. He and I think Susie Perry was in a, a terrific replacement for Jake. She brought a completely different perspective, but she is she's been very good. She has. Jake brought the. How do I say this gently? He brought that little kid fandom to the commentating. Yes. Um, he was he was what you would think that you would be if you were walking the pit the pit wall. Excited and thrilled and it's all big lights and excitement going on and that's what he brought to you know, no technical knowledge, none of that. And well, his technical knowledge was such when he it w- when the BBC announced that he was going to be taking on the uh, the lead presenter role for their F one coverage, people thought that they were nuts because his TV presenter experience was all in children's programs. Which That's I, all he had done before he came to F one. Which is what I think lends itself to that childlike naivete that he brought yeah. so well to the to the pit wall. Um, Susie brings a different thing because while you would almost expect her to be uninformed, maybe if you were, you know, sexist, um, (laughs) you might expect her not to know a whole lot. She really does. But what she brought to the table was a lot of understanding of the interpersonal relationships. Well, there's some of that, but she also came to the BBC with a significant amount of motorsports experience exactly. because she used to cover the MotoGP series for something like, I want to say almost 20 years. I mean, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. but So she doesn't bring the childlike naivete that Jake Humphrey brought. Yeah. She brought she brings something else, but she doesn't bring any gravitas. Okay. You know, you get that from the um, Cothards and even Jordan to some extent. And you get it Alan, from Alan McNish. Alan McNish and um, their technical guy that replaced our favorite. That was Alan McNish who, no, the who other replaced one. Gary Anderson. The, there was the other guy that walks the, the pit wall that does some of the tech stuff. Um, James, not James Allen. James Allen does the, uh, the five live pieces. Right. No. I'm... I'm missing. I can Thank see you. his face. I'm sorry to have taken that off the rails. I can see his <laughs> face. I just can't think of his name. Okay. Tall drink of water. Skinny. Which is a lot of the BBC's male not, presenting. His team. pants are not nearly as tight as David Cohart's. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and sure, it's not as loud as Eddie Jordan's. Um, the other thing that they announced, again, kind of minor, but that another production company, North One Television, who is also very experienced with F1 uh, production. They were responsible for ITV's F1 coverage when it had the rights. They'll be working with Channel 4 to produce a number of what has been described as accompanying F1 programs. Cool. 
So yeah, it should be interesting. And, and like we've mentioned in the past, Channel 4 will screen 10 Grand Prix live uh, in the UK and without advertising breaks per season, with the remainder to be shown as highlight packages. Hey, I hope that they do very, very well. I really do. And wish them the best of luck. So you know what story just won't die? Is it engines or tires? Why, it would be engines. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't bring my pillow in to our recording session today. Well, you know, Christian Horner's got to complain some more. Oh, whiny Christian. Because I, I wouldn't go quite that far, but it just he just doesn't know when to be quiet. Well, that's part of the problem. That's what why they're in the situation they're in today. Ex- yeah, okay. I'll agree with that. He hasn't learned how to zip it yet. He says that the story as to why Red Bull failed to get a new engine deal for 2016, that there was more to the story than what people widely believe. Goodness gracious, I hope there's more to the story than what we widely believe. Now, you know, all he will say is basically everything that that everybody else has said, that, well, Mercedes promised us something or somebody at Mercedes promised us something, but it didn't actually happen and deals were reneged on and Ferrari didn't want to give us the engine that we wanted and yeah. Wah. Wah. Now, Total Wolf has come out and said that, well, yeah, I didn't want to give Red Bull the engine. They were a very competitive team. It is my job to protect the interests of my team, and I did not feel that giving a team as strong as Red Bull, our engine, was in the best interest of our team. you got to admit that that's not a bad position to be. Yeah. I mean... He has that right that if you control the engine, you have the right to say, no, you don't get my engine. And if Formula One wants to address that issue, they they need to and they definitely should. Oh, yeah. But in, in that kind of a situation. And yeah, there are some times when team owners and team principals need to be thinking bigger than their team, as Christian has said many, many races ago. When it comes to competitive advantage, okay, I I understand it and I get it. And it makes sense for the teams to be working in this way to go, yeah, you know, I don't want to give up our advantage and give our secret sauce off to our biggest competitor. Well, I go back to Christian wouldn't be doing that if he was still on top of the the heap and he said he wouldn't yeah. so what makes him think that he's got any right to turn around and go you're not sharing but if i was in your spot i wouldn't be sharing either well it's it's not even so much that it's the poor poor pitiful me out of one side of his mouth while on the other side of his mouth going but if i was in the same position i would i'd be making the same call yeah. Well, no. no. <laughs> you don't get to say how bad and how sad everything is if you you freely admit that you do the exact same damn thing. Um do did you know that Damon Hill has come out on the engine conversation? No. Damon Hill 
and I have to, I, I want your opinion of what he has to say because I thought it was kind of an interesting thought. Okay. Now, you know that he won his world championship with Williams. Yes. So he has talked to your girlfriend, Claire, and okay. mentioned to her that, you know, this meteoric rise that they've made from ninth to third in the last two years um, is pretty impressive. And they've done it with a Mercedes engine. Okay. Damon Hill suggests that they will go no further up the grid if they continue to use a Mercedes engine. That what they in fact need to do is use a Honda. All right. He had me <laughs> up until that last bit. <laughs> Now, his theory is that Honda is going to salvage their reputation quickly, somehow, some way. We're not sure how. But that you don't compete for the top spot chasing somebody in their engine. Well, you, you don't compete for the top spot as a customer team. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. The thing is... One, we don't know what the deal Assuming that everything was miraculously fixed tomorrow and the McLaren Honda that showed up at testing in Barcelona at the end of next month was the cream of the crop. Assuming that that was the case, I would still question the logic behind that call because of the fact that if... Honda's deal with McLaren is that McLaren is the works team. That means even if Williams moved over to Honda, they would still be a customer team. And as a result, would be in the exact same situation that they're in today. That was my thought on his his words. But I was a little surprised when he came out and said that Williams would do better with a Honda engine. From, from that perspective of getting out of the shadow of Mercedes to not be a customer team, I could agree with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if, if nobody's willing to come in right now and take on Red Bull as a works team, they're not going to come for Williams. That's true. I mean, that's the reality. Now... What will help McLaren Honda's efforts next year? A little, in theory. There will be in-season testing this season, okay. which we did not have. Now, the two tests, one will take place. They're going to be Tuesday, Wednesday tests. The first one will take place following the, the Spanish Grand Prix from May 17th to the 18th and the British Grand Prix from July 12th to the 13th. Um, the 2016 regulations allow for two team tests of no more than two consecutive days duration. Um, the test must take place at circuits where a Grand Prix has been held and begin no less than 36 hours later. The regulations add that each team must allocate at least two of the four days for young driver testing. Barcelona and the Red Bull Ring hosted in season tests last year. I'm sorry, I was wrong when I said that they didn't hosted in-season tests last year, and Silverstone was last used for F1 testing in 2014. 
And then that's in addition to the two preseason tests, which will be February 22nd to the 25th and March 1st to the 4th. Okay. So. May that help McLaren Honda. We'll see what happens. So. Oh, good news. What? Pastor Maldonado's seat may be in jeopardy. You mean he might get booted from F1? Quite possibly. So what's going on? And it's an interesting way that this has all come about. It would seem that somebody let slip to the media that young Kevin Magnuson was given a tour of the Renault factory. Really? Yes. Um, when further asking as to why Kevin was there and why he would be given said tour, it was then let slip that Pastor Maldonado's sponsor, Pidivesa, is late on their most recent payment. Your mom didn't pay us, so we don't have to be friends with you anymore. Quite possibly. Now, the, the additional background that has come out is that, one, when Lotus rushed to make the deal to re-sign Pastor before Singapore, when everything was still shaky with the whole lotus Reno deal, Renault was not particularly happy. Oh. They did not want the driver announcements made. They didn't want those lineups set up. And potentially, there's nothing confirmed on this, but potentially that was part of the reason for the delay was because Renault was not particularly happy with the driver situation. Oh. Now, it does sound like Jolian Palma's money is solid. Because there's been no talk about his seat, but it's just the Maldonado seat. Well, if you had a potential driver that was going to cost you as much, if not more, than what they brought in, wouldn't your, you question whether or not he should have a seat? Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. I have to, like, just imagine for a moment an F1 without Crashy McCrasherson. Now... What a unnamed Renault spokesman has said is that it's speculation at the moment. We have a contract with Pastor that is the current situation. Who knows what could happen by Australia, but at the moment we are going forward with Pastor and Jolian. Pastor's manager, Nicholas Tott, has not commented on the situation. Hmm. Yeah. You got to wonder if PD Vesa's money is late because they are working on renegotiating or doing something to try to break that contract. And PD Vesa is like, I'm not going to give you guys money if you're going to possibly kick my driver to the curb. Well, the issue is with, with PD Vesa is one, this whole thing was engineered by Hugo Chavez three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. Chavez died. Um, his predecessor, who was a very strong supporter of everything that Chavez did, kept it in place. However, his predecessor was thrown out of office. Predecessor? Or, not his predecessor, his successor. I Thank was you. like, wrong word. I don't yes, think that his, means what you think it His means. successor. Uh, the problem was his successor was thrown out of office due to election irregularities. Oh. So there's that. 
There's also the fact that PDVSA is not making nearly as much money as they used to be because of the massive drop that we have seen in the last several months over oil prices. Do you think that we could thank the Saudis for getting rid of Maldonado? You could. We you could, could potentially do that. Do you remember? This is completely left field, so bear with me. Do you remember the old TV show that used to make those connections? You know, like ultimate like X. X Files? No, oh. not quite X Files. Where are you going? No, it was it was a factual show, and somebody in our listening audience is going to remember what this is. But it was they would lead off with a question like, "How would the Prince of Saudi Arabia uh, be connected to Pastor Maldonado?" Or something like it would be some random connection, and you would follow the line through the entire show. Okay. So you know. Like, how would this boulder have affected, you know, the reign of the Ming dynasty in China or something? It was like some bizarre. So this was like how the states got their name, it, got their shapes, because he does that kind of path too. Yeah, but this was like it was a it was a line path. You know, you could take it hops pretty easily, but it was all scientific um, and science things. It I'll have to go searching for what the show was. But it was a really cool one, and that would have been one of the things that they would have come up with. They, that is a similar logic for, you know, ultimately we would have Saudi Arabia to thank for getting rid of Crashy out of Formula One. <laughs> and, you know, you would make that line through the fact that they dropped the oil prices and the unintended consequences of those events, if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. And I want to say this was like 15, 20 maybe 25 years ago that there was this show but it was it was one of those really cool sciencey shows for nerds like me okay well there are some formula 1 insiders who believe that the, this entire situation has been leaked mainly as a tactic tactic to try and force PD Vesa to do something ah so we will see what happens here So, w would you would you like to talk about the old man shaking his fist at the clouds? Oh, please. Can we talk about <laughs> it? The old man shaking his fist at the clouds. Once again, Bernie was standing out in an open field yelling out things. And the press was around. <laughs> and the press was around. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, first he started off with to go back to our engine conversation with customer teams um, you know he came out and complained about customer cars and how ferrari and mercedes give their customers quote unquote a lot less power okay um but then he wanted to talk about women in racing because he just can't let it go oh no D did you want to share this yes i do um okay so sorry i got tried sidetrack trying to figure out what this show was that i'm thinking of huh. um bernie eccleston told tsn radio and this is the quote when asked if um he would the sport would see a female driver in the years to come i doubt it if there was somebody that was capable they wouldn't be taken seriously in any way so they would never have a car that is capable of competing he goes on to say there was a girl that was driving in GP3 for a whole season. So it's not something that hasn't happened. 
Okay. Just to be clear, w- one of the many reasons why, thanks to Bernie Eccleston, a woman would not be completed in Formula One. Completed. Or, or taken seriously in Formula One, to, to compete in Formula One. Let us go back to the beginning of last season and how Bernie hailed Lotus F1's decision to sign on one Carmen Jorda mm-hmm. as a test and development driver as a fantastic thing for women in motorsports and Formula One racing, and that she would do wonders and be a great value to the team. She was such a fantastic value to Lotus Formula One that they don't exist anymore. <laughs> That's the great insight that Carmen Jorda brought them. And Bernie was all for that decision. Can we keep it simpler than that? <laughs> I just needed to dig at Carmen Jordan. I didn't get it since the season ended, and I meant to. I, I needed to take that shot. You just wanted to dig at Carmen Jordan. I just needed a shot at Carmen Jordan because of her, her valuable insight that she provided the team. Not. Bernie, I realize that you're older than dirt. But here in 2016, and probably for at least the last, oh, 40 years, we've called adult females women, <laughs> not girls. Um, now, apparently his uh, comments have angered one Alice Powell. You are asking yourself, who's Alice Powell? I was. She's a GP3 driver. <laughs> British GP3 driver. You know, that girl that drove for a season. Well. Um, And she's also recently named an ambassador for Susie Wolf's Dare to be Different. And uh, is saying it is now up to women to show Eccleston he's wrong. Now, the 22-year-old does not come to Formula do this without credentials. Mm-hmm. Now, Hopefully better credentials than Carmen Jorda, who also was a GP3 driver and not a good one. Um, she was a 22-year-old, 20, <clears throat> became the first female winner of the Formula Renault Series in 2010. Okay. Um, taking two race wins on her way to the title, while she also competed in the GP3 Series. What she had to say was, someone needs to prove Bernie wrong. It would be a shame if a team would turn down a female to race in F1 because they would not be taken seriously. That is one of the issues, though, that people don't take the chance as they think it will be a joke. We're not a joke. And it's just another factor that makes it harder for females to race at the highest levels. Now, in sharp contrast to old men shouting at clouds... I want to offer to you Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle is invited to my house for dinner or beer anytime he wants to come over. <laughs> he tweeted after all of this hoopla, I sincerely hope to commentate on at least one female F1 dr- racer before I retire. She will be deservedly revered, well supported, and most welcome. That's a man. I, I and I think he's right. The 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 first woman who earns a seat, as opposed to giving one as a publicity stunt or just to shut Bernie up, will definitely be 
very well respected in the sport. Oh, yeah. I think certainly that she needs to earn it. She can't be given it. But I think that Bernie could shut up a little bit. And I think that he's causing the joke factor to become a bigger problem. Yes. Um, now, as a side note, I'd like for you to know that Toto Wolf came out in support of his wife. Well, you know, now that he can talk more about her, you know, since they're not competing against each other. Well, Toto said that he reckons that she would have been good enough to race for a midfield Formula One team given the chance. And gee, before he went to Mercedes, he used to have part ownership in a midfield Formula One team that he gave up to go to Mercedes. And oh, gee, that midfield Formula One team hired her as a test and development driver. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, I think his, his, his comments are actually very interesting. He said, and it would have been good for Formula One to have a female racing because the media that normally ignores motorsports would have, had, would have been interested. It's a missed opportunity. He added, as family, I did not notice any difference. Now she's taken this decision to stop racing. She's at peace with herself. Having hung up her helmet, Susie is now dedicating to unearthing the next generation of female talent in motorsport with her recently launched scheme, Dare to be Different. So, I mean, I think that from Toto's perspective, I mean, I think that he's right. It's, It's too close to home. He might not have seen it. And he might not have seen what the pressure was on her. But for her to now be looking for... Who could take it? Who could really do it? I think it's pretty impressive. But yeah, Bernie needs to not shout at clouds. Bernie needs to be replaced. As the world says, Bernie needs to be replaced. Yes. He he has served his purpose. And like an appliance, he needs to be discarded now. Ooh, you're calling <laughs> the Burnster an appliance. Yes, I am calling Bernie Eccleston an appliance. All righty. Better than calling him a crook. Well, but he is one of those too. So, also waiting for change in Formula One, believe it or not, would be Pirelli. Pirelli? P- Pirelli, as we heard a rumor about two weeks ago, we have now confirmed Pirelli is still waiting on their 2017 to 2019 contract to supply tires. The FIA has not provided them that. Now, Pirelli is moving forward. And in the process of moving forward, has managed to pretty much... Well, the headlines initially came out that it was because of Pirelli that the original plans for faster cars in 2017 were completely scuttled. Mm-hmm. The reality is, when you read the autos, it's not quite that doing good. Mm. <laughs> it's close. It's not quite that bad. Okay. So, should we, should we, before we even do that, should we talk about the various strategy group plans that were presented for 2017 last year? Sure. And, and where they are. Well... The, the first thing that uh, the strategy group had proposed was for free tire choice. And they actually wanted that to start this year. Okay. 
And that was the thought that a team could run whatever of the four compounds that they wanted. I want to run wets and inners. Well, no, (laughs) dry compounds. Oh. So if you wanted to run these super soft tires around, you know, Melbourne. Or the Snuggle Bear tire? Well, we didn't have, they they hadn't come out with the Snuggle Bear tire yet. (laughs) Okay. Just to be clear. But, but that was the thing. Teams could go and choose whatever compounds that they wanted for the race, whatever worked for their strategy. Well, that hasn't really happened. But they have three to choose from, you know, pick two of three. Mm-hmm. So there is some of that. I mean, they get a little bit of choice. They're not getting everything, but they get a little bit. They get a little. Um, but the other thing is that drivers are now being given mandatory tire compounds for Q3. Oh. So the teams do not make that call. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, so there was that. Um, lower lap times. This was the big one that, that they were trying for. The call was for lap times to drop by five seconds a lap. Remember that? Yep. Well, Pirelli has come out and said, hey, based on the data that, you, data that you've given us, um, yeah, we can't make tires to do that. Okay. The aero stuff that you guys want to do and all these other things, that's going to put too much stress on the tire. We can't build you a tire that can that can do that without going Kersplamo. And they are daft at Kersplamo. Yeah. Now, what and that set everybody's heads exploding because well, you know, this was the big plan, it's going to go fast. What Pirelli have said to go a little further is it we can't give you five seconds. We can probably give you in the area of three, maybe four seconds. Okay. So it's not the gloom and doom that all of the headlines said at the beginning of the week when, when Pirelli released this statement. It's not quite that bad. Now, granted, in the Formula One world, two seconds is a lot of time. Right. Two seconds is the difference between the Mercedes and the McLaren. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it is it's a, a huge gap. It's a lifetime. But it's still not that bad. They're getting some. They're just not getting their whole five seconds. The other proposal, which was one that when we, admittedly, when we initially heard this, as newer Formula One fans thought, this sounds cool. We want this. And then we learned more about it and heard that, oh, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. And that was refueling. Yes. And refueling, they came out, and, and I think Total Wolf basically said, this is a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. We can't afford it. All of the reasons why you wanted us to not do it still exist, and they haven't been addressed. Well, word came out this week that they're looking again. This is the idea that will never die. Song that never ends. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some old... F1 fans that love the idea of refueling, that it adds a layer of strategy to the the game, you know, go out light, build up a lead, come back in, refuel, balance all of that out. But and and IndyCar does refueling. That is part of their thing, and I think NASCAR does as well. But here's the thing, and this is something that, that we even missed. Okay, the current Formula One rule set restricts cars to what is it 100 kilograms of fuel a race and fuel flow is restricted and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. okay based on that 
most races on the calendar do not run fuel-restricted. There are some where they've got to conserve fuel, but most of them, that's not the case. So what would refueling give you? Give you a lighter car at the beginning of the race. Okay. It's not going to make the cars faster. They don't need refueling. There is no need to bring a car in to refuel it today. And well, would a car arguably be faster? And, and that, I mean, that's the other thing that, that folks miss is that because if you run the car with a lighter fuel load, yes, the car goes faster. And that, that's the whole thought here is you run with, with less fuel, come and do your refueling again, put in the, the barest amount. But to hit your targets for your refueling, you're still going to have drivers trying to con- conserve fuel so that they can stretch it as far as they can. But the question, is, the true question here is, is the differential enough that if you eliminate refueling and you tell teams that they can refuel at least one time in the race, is the speed that they will get from running a lighter car in the beginning enough to offset the time that they would lose in that refueling pit stop as opposed to just running on a single tank of fuel? Well, that's part of the strategy. I mean, the strategy would be how much further ahead can you get having a lighter car at the beginning to make up for the fact that you're going to sit in the pit for a little bit longer to refuel, and how fast can you make the pump? Well, that's the thing. If if you look at lap times from the beginning of the race to the end of race and look at that differential, and yeah, there is a good differential, I don't think it's significant enough. I don't think teams are are able to recover that much time per lap for that to make any sense. Well, it it might not. It it might not. I mean, again, you you also may wind up trying to level it out a little bit. Like, you know, you run light fuel and Mm. then you only have to top it up with a light fuel. So you're kind of running... Even lap times yeah. the whole time versus having slower in the beginning and, and and lighter at the end. But the reality goes back to, I do don't we gain a whole lot? Do and, we and actually will that gain? give you better racing? And it won't. And the proof That's is the- that it won't because, again, you put your passing in pit lanes again. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly the reason why, one of the reasons why refueling was done away with in the first place was that passing would happen off the track in the pit lanes. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I've i said this before. I'm going to say it again. And I'll probably be an old man shaking my fist at clouds, saying it until, you know, they figure it out. F1 pulls its head out of its butt about the whole thing. But just because... People say they need something or they want something to be different doesn't necessarily mean that the whole system is broken. And we're trying to fix things that may not be broken when you're not looking at the things that are broken. Well, that's because I don't think F1 necessarily recognizes either the things that are broken or what it is about those things that have broken them. Well, I think that... They don't know what to fix. Right. And so they're fixing... They're becoming no different than the Clevelander who is shouting at the weather because 
it's never what they want except for the two days a year that it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. And they're forgetting the fact that spring and summer and fall are gorgeous seasons here. And winter is a small price to pay because, quite frankly, winter, while gray, is not an ice storm that makes you housebound for a week. And winter is not so bitterly cold that you are living in an igloo. It is a reasonable season and a reasonable way of living. But I make the analogy because what happens is they're shouting at the things that aren't broken loud enough to try to make people forget to look at the things that are so glaringly broken. You want to make an engine that is affordable. I'm all for affordability within F1. Level out your payment process first. Make everybody an equal participant Mm -hmm. in this sport. Tell somebody that they can earn prize money from day one. Be a part of that. That is what is so ridiculously broken. Don't come to me and talk to me about refueling and where passing occurs and five seconds a lap because you're going to change the tires. Fix the money. Then you can start talking about cost-saving measures. The the other thing that, that there has been a lot of talk about in the last week to two weeks is does F1 need more unpredictability, that the sport is too predictable? That's one of the things that there has been an argument about. And to, th- there's been a lot of comparisons to the baseball and football and some of these other team sports and how folks watch them because there is a degree. Well, actually, I think the best way to put it is I think that there are folks who watch them because there is a degree of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is when you go to a baseball game, even if you're going to a game that is the leading team, the lead, the division leading team going up against the worst team in their division, there is always that chance that they could win. Yeah. That, that either side could win, and that is a possibility. And when you go watch Formula One, you know without a doubt that Manor, not going to win. There's not going the only way that they're going to win is if every other car on that grid breaks down. Mhm. So how do you make that structure competitive where they can do that and you don't put it to a point where they're just driving spec cars? Well, yeah. I mean, the problem is you're sitting on a, a crazy teeter-totter here. Because the sport is half driver and half technology. And some of it's got to be that somebody gets the technology right. Mm -hmm. And when you try to compare it to a sport like baseball, the technology is all the same. Yeah. You know, there's a regulation that they all... Yeah. The regulation that they all use... A similar bat. They're all made of the same material. They might be different weights, mm-hmm. but they're the same material. The balls are all the same. You know, all of those things take variability out and make it all players. And then they add on top of baseball, they add the caps on how much a team can spend for their players, so they have to budget. You can't apply that model to Formula One. Unless you give everybody the same car with the same engine 
and the same fuel. Well, y you know what it probably is? And then don't you have NASCAR? We have NASCAR. But I, I, maybe the answer is just to... It, it's the other stuff that happens. The other stuff. You know, the shenanigans. Oh, we should have more shenanigans in F1? That is an unprecedented amount of contact shunts and shenanigans. Shenanigans? I think there's some sort of foul play afoot. In Grand Prix racing, they'd be ridiculous. That kind of thing only happens in cartoons. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. All right. So... There was the rumors coming at the end, and it sounded exciting. It definitely was exciting. This possibility of a deal between Force India and Aston Martin and Johnny Walker. Yes. This three-way deal to bring Aston Martin into the sport and to do this big partnership deal with Johnny Walker and run blue and gold colors of, of Johnny Walker on it on a race car. Yes. Uh, it looks like that's not happening. Denied. Don't we, we don't know exactly what's happening. Um, however, um, Force India has come out and said that, well, while the deal isn't dead, Coughing. stuff has kind of fallen through. Um, the Force India Chief Operating Officer, Atmar Sofnauer has said that it probably won't happen in 2016, but they are still talking. Um, he does say that Aston has a lot of initiatives and they're changing their lineup of cars. So he says, you know, they you never know. They, they may actually choose Formula One as a marketing tool, which kind of says to me that it's probably <laughs> not happening. But the question I have is that since this was supposed to be um, part of a tie-up with Johnny Walker and – Johnny Walker has walked away from McLaren, as with all the other teams that have, or, or sponsors that have gone screaming out the door of their facility. What happens with the Johnny Walker deal? Is that dead too? Never heard that. Hmm. And then, of course, the other question, you know, last year we predicted that Force India wasn't going to make it through the season. Now that this Aston deal has fallen through, can the financial stylings of VJ Malia get the team through another season? Probably. I don't know. Last week we spoke that we hadn't heard any news from Manor. Yes. We have some news from Manor. Their 2016 car, <gasps> an actual 2016 car, has passed the FIA's crash test. Awesome. So will we field an entire field of 2016 cars this year? It It's looking like it, unless, you know, Red Bull can't do it. Well, that's always you possible. Because <laughs> they got to figure out how to get an engine in. The other a tag Courier engine. Yes. The other news that has come out of Manor, which many of the F1 pundits have said, this is it. This is the sign that Manor is now serious, and they mean it, and they're running ahead. This is, this is going to be their year, man. I don't know what it's going to be their year of. But on this news, they have said that this is a big thing, that former Ferrari designer Nicholas Tombasis has joined the team. Okay. Now, he, he's got a lot of experience. He spent nine years with Ferrari. Mm -hmm. 
however, and, and 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 that's why everyone says that this is a great deal. But he was part of the mass firing at Ferrari after their winless 2014 season. Which is this truly the sign of Manor being serious and bringing on some serious talent, or is this Nicholas Tombasis? getting tired of spending his days sitting in the local Lava Aza cafe looking through the one ads and saying, I've got to take something already. Why can't it be both? I don't, I don't know. You know, yes, okay, so this guy was part of the mass firing at Ferrari. I I mean. And part of the, one of the guys who designed that disastrous 2014 car and the crappy 2013 car and the questionable 2012 car. And <laughs> but maybe it wasn't him. Maybe, maybe the design came from somebody that deserved to be fired more than he did. Maybe he was the lone voice in the room that said you shouldn't do it that way. I don't know. I'm hopeful for Manor. You know, you got to pull for the underdog. Yeah, You know, I'm hopeful, and it's glad to see that there is some activity because they have been so quiet. We don't know who's going to run the team for for 2016 now that we've lost both uh, John Booth and Graham Loudon. We don't know who their drivers are going to be. I mean, we've heard rumors that Indonesian Ryu Harianto has been linked to the team because they offered him 10 million pounds, or the, the Indonesian government is— wants to put up 10 million pounds in order for him to get the seat. But you've still got one more seat left, which Kevin Magnuson's been linked to that seat. But he's touring the Renault factory. He is. Will Stevens has been linked to that seat. Alexander Rossi's been linked to that seat. Roberto Mary's been linked to that seat. Um, I, I think the only person who hasn't been linked to it is Pastor Maldonado. I have not been linked to that seat. You have not. And, the other, and I could be a female in Formula One racing. The the other driver that I have not heard get linked to that seat, but who knows the way things are going, Narain Karthikainen may be back yet again. Really? <laughs> Narain? That is where you're reaching back to is Narain Karthikainen. You just like saying Karthikainen. I know He's you. got experience, and he was one of your favorite drivers. Mine? Yes, because you love the fact that no matter how bad that team did, they always show the picture of him with a big old grin on his face. <laughs> Granted, it was the same picture the day that the, that he actually got signed, but, you know. <laughs> well, you know, um, they always show Daniel Ricardo with his big old grin, too, and his, you know, honey badger got this. And You know, speaking of pictures, and this can go back a little bit to, to our earlier discussion about Bernie. I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems that, and it doesn't matter the news organization, whether it's the the goofball blogs that, that we like to follow or these serious folks like BBC and Sky Sports and Autosport and all, whenever they show a picture of Bernie, and, and it's been like the at least the last two or three months. Whatever picture that they put up is just another picture that you look at and go, wow, he looks like a crazy old man. I have not seen anybody use anything remotely close to a picture of Bernie Eccleston that makes him look like he's sane. Um, That's because they don't exist. They, no, they do. 
They do. The you, you man see the, you is s- crazy. You see those moments when, when you, you see him live on TV, wandering around, talking to folks, making his way through the grid and stuff like that. He does. He looks like he... 99% of the time, he is in full possession of his senses and is in charge and has a purpose. All of the stills that they show, I mean, it's got that crazy eye look with the hair going all over the place. I don't and think he, he it's takes... Not even, it's not even the senile, doddering old man that we saw many years... What was that, 2012 or 2013, when he was giving a birthday card to one of the team principals in the garage? I, no, I don't think that his still pictures show you come across i mean he's got the crazy hair he's starting to look doddering he is oh older than snot i mean the man but is not going to take a good picture anymore bbc has enough footage of that man bbc sky sports even fox has enough footage of that man that if they wanted to put a picture of bernie looking like he's in possession of his senses, they could do that. They are not, and I am saying that I think it's now deliberate that <laughs> anything that they publish of him with his image makes him look crazy. Well, it's not helping with what he says either. Yeah. It, the man is, it's time, Bernie. It's time. Stop being the lake troll and just retire. Alrighty, and on that note, just a reminder, you can always download the show over on iTunes. Leave us a review. Check us out over on uh, Stitcher. Leave us a review on there, too. I think you can leave reviews on there. But subscribe to us in one of those two places. And, you know, have you found a recent decent-looking picture of Bernie Eccleston? Let us know on the Facebook page. Okay. We want to hear. All righty. And on that note, we will call it a show.